This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Alice, welcome to the platform. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, it's a beautiful day. It's a Chamber of Commerce day, so yeah. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad that you're here. I know the listeners and the viewers are glad that you're here so we can unpack this mayoral campaign. It's like 50 of you running. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the summer party, you know, joke <laughs> that people are just going to have a party and say, raise your hand if you're running for mayor, and there's going to be like six hands going up. <laughs> Um, but no, like I'm excited to get into this, like this race with you, just your background, um, and what you've done, but also just giving people an opportunity to hear from you, just unpack, like what potentially Nashville would look like if elected mayor uh, under your leadership. So already get into it. Let's do it. Um, and so, um, I want to start off with just your priorities, right? That you have on your website. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's important for everybody to just kind of unpack that, you know, because yeah. people's priorities are different. That can mean different things to different yeah. people. Um, and then we just kind of go through that and just untangle some other just current things that are happening in our state, mm -hmm. more specifically in our region. Yeah. And so for people who may not know, what would what would you say your top priorities is at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, no, and that and that's nice that you say at the moment, because yeah. I think like a lot of us, um, when uh, Mayor Cooper decided not to run, I think a lot of folks looked at, um, you know, looked at service to the city and service to their fellow citizens. And uh, and it is um, for those of us that are newer into the race, you, you will see some evolution in the in the priorities um, yeah. as we're as we're moving forward. So I would say uh, the way that I think is helpful to think about why running for mayor is to think about it. And you'd mentioned this is all about me, the, the show, but I actually think running for mayor is all about the people in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I frame uh, what my priorities are, are going into this are, are really framed by what I hear and see across the county. Um, and, and really I think arching over all of it is putting the citizens who live here first um, in the way that we think about the work of city government. So some things I think about, uh, earlier this year, I saw a news uh, story about uh, a woman who was mugged and beaten at two o'clock in the afternoon on a sunny day on West End Avenue, walking to her uh, car in her parking lot. And I called her um, and I asked her, what do we need to know? Um, and what do we need to know so that we can, if we know better, we can do better, right? Um, and she, you know, so it, it takes a lot of bravery for a victim to speak up and to go on to the news. Her name's Lindsay. And she told me she didn't want Nashville to become the big city that she had moved here from. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want crime to become this accepted part of life. Mm -hmm. And so as we dug into that, what we see um, is that two thirds of our crimes that are reported are never cleared. So what that means is that our Criminals feel more emboldened and our victims feel more helpless. And actually, in some ways, both could stop even reporting crimes, right? So that persistent gap of, of that many that are reported but never cleared is probably growing. And and we look at um, we look at, you know, our officers and I think the Nashville police force it has been vaulted into the, you know, all eyes of the world on our police force. They they did such a remarkable job in the covenant tragedy um, and their training. And you can see things that we don't always see every day, but we got to see it on display in that in that moment. 
But what is hidden there is that we're 200 officers short. And so what that means, and, and arguably we're probably more officers short than that. Um, and, and so what that means for people like Lindsay is, is that this sort of helplessness and maybe this directionally of, of how are we going to hold that back, right? How are we going to increase our officer pay? That's part of it. But then how are we also going to think about resetting the way that we think of our police and, 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 and just as public safety as a priority for the city? Well, I, I, that, I, that's a that's a good point. I'm glad that you that we touched on public safety yeah. and policing because it's 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 a uh, I guess depending on what side of scale because we know police uh, affects a certain demographic, the black and brown and poor folks a little differently mm -hmm. than they do other folks, right? Immigrants or refugees and things like that. And so you get you get two different type of well, three or four different type of experiences yeah. because of police. And so you have this this buzzword, defund the police or reallocate mm -hmm. funds for police. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on how the the role of police, right? Should police officers, SROs be in schools or should there be a different body there? So police can like fight crime and do things on the street. Um, should they be militarized? Should they have these helicopters and all of these other things? Or should that money be places elsewhere where we know like People are in the house. That shouldn't be police. People have mental health issues. Maybe that shouldn't be police. Yeah. Well, I would, <clears throat> I would offer that maybe in the world of buzzwords, I'd maybe like to start a new one uh, for Nashville, which is to rethink our crim from reset from a criminal justice system to a victims justice system. Okay. And I think that's part of when we think about um, the rights of victims and their first question is they want to make sure that doesn't happen to someone else. And a lot of our victims advocates spend a, a tremendous amount of time working within the criminal justice system and within the education system because I, be, because some criminals are themselves victims, right? Where they arrived to that place and committing a crime because they are, are the victim potentially of, of other crimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I think you're bigger and I know you're saying to sort of unpack it. So you've asked, I think you sort of, yeah, there's put, a, put, a, put a bunch yeah, of pieces out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of components, right? Just sticking on public safety. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, we have criminalized in this state in general, right? We have criminalized homelessness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, thirty percent of those incarcerated have a mental illness, yeah. right? And yeah. so, how can we get those individuals to not be police or not be jailed, mm -hmm. right? And maybe. As potentially as potential mayor, what are resources or what are things that we can do to combat or address things on the front end so the police don't have to deal with it? Because I don't think it's a yeah necessarily a policing issue. They just end up yeah. doing the job, right? Yeah, no, you're right. There are um, to meet you know meeting with our uh, our county's mental health and veterans court judge uh, and, and going to some of the different mental health uh, and veterans courts events that she has held. Judge Melissa Blackburn is a tremendous asset uh, to our city. Um, I think that we know there are roughly 180 individuals in Davidson County. To your point who, given their mental health condition, are in this in-between place. Mm -hmm. They cannot actually be prosecuted for crimes because of their mental status, but they are not so badly off that they are required, that they are committed to, a, to, our, to our Middle Tennessee uh, mental health, or used to be called Clover Bottom facilities, right? So then we end up with this pretty 
you know, sizable group of, of, of people that are, that are kind of stuck. Is it, is it messed up? No, <laughs> no, I'm always looking, looking over. And so this, oh, yeah, I'm just always checking. So yeah. don't mind me. I'm just making sure that. it's not messed yeah. up. So there, um, so I, you know, I think it, it, it is a question, um, how, how there are within our homeless population a group that, uh, because of mental health and other issues, we probably will never find the permanent supportive housing mm-hmm. um, frequently because it, it we can't force them, right? Yeah. There's a group of working poor or people have fallen off in a difficult situation that I think we can lift up. And I think groups like the contributor uh, and others are able to find them a pathway to permanent supportive housing. Um, but the question, I think part of your question was, mental health and is there a place for police and mental health? Um, I'd love uh, Chief Swan, our fire chief right now is working through uh, with a number of different mental health and homeless groups, um, a a pilot program to look at how we're sending, not having to send the entire fire truck and the entire ambulance, but sending a more um, directed uh, mental health caseworker type of a person to assist in, in certain in certain instances. And I think it's tricky because right, you've got you've also got your people on the front line to think about too, right? And you also have the person on the nine one one call that is trying to make the call to say, is that somebody who we send a mental health advocate for? Or is that someone that we send an EMS worker for or somebody with a higher level of training? Or is that someone who may become violent and we need to send someone from the police? So we do need to think about the rights and protecting the person undergoing that, um, ha- having an episode or something that's that's going on that someone's calling 911. Mm-hmm. But we've also got to think about the, all of our public safety people too, right? Who are being sent out. Um, yeah. And if I'm the person running the 911 desk, I've got to think, did I make the right call, right? And then it's, um, and I think that's complicated. That's a, um, uh, my husband was in the army for about 20 years, and he was an army doctor, uh, deployed uh, multiple times to Iraq. And I think when you, when you start to see, you know, cases, this what, what you're getting at is like levels of triage for care. The difference is that when you're not in a war zone, you you actually I think our first response is let's send everybody. But then if we're if we're short officers, uh, or if there's something across town. Um, that that is, that is a higher level issue. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I think it's a lot to unpack, and I think it's many layers to it. Um, but you know, this potentially is mayor. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I would say yeah. the big, yeah, the biggest single issue though, overriding all of these pieces, is our literacy rate. Okay. Right. Our literacy rate, and we know this, right? We and when you mentioned in individuals in incarcerated individuals too. Many of them cannot read right. because we have failed them. Well, you know, Tennessee is a state, you know, it's not the best state when it comes to literacy or education. No, it's not. But we've got, but we also within our own metro public schools, we have some schools uh, in, you mentioned North Nashville, Purpose Prep in North Nashville. Mm-hmm. They are, tw- they have two and a half times the number of kids, the same black and brown kids from the same zip code in North Nashville are reading at or above grade level right. and uh, in, a, in a metro school in the same area, right. well, only 18 or 19% of those same kids are reading at grade level. 
right? Oh, and that and, well. and that makes you and that kind of that should kind of make you angry, yeah. right? But we know well, we know how to address it though. Like it just it just hasn't been it's been neglected. Both the actual general, but a lot of different parts, especially when we talk about black and brown kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know just the resources, right? On the fray and the money, like the time, right? We used to looking at PTO or PTA funding and things like that. Who can raise like is it different in different areas in our city? where it's diverse, but it's diversely segregated, which means you also have diversely segregated income, right? That kind of pours into, okay, what type of education is gonna happen at Pearl Cole versus which type of education is gonna happen over here somewhere or Weiss Creek. Um, and so and, and, and these are just historical things that have happened before my time, right? Yeah. Just, that just has been neglected. I think we're in a place now, fortunately, where, especially with the growth is where you know, we need a new engine in our city, but we're trying to fix the new car with the oil change we should have done 10, yeah. 20 years ago. Why do I push back on that and, and go and, 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 may, and maybe the same of inviting them, but invite the principal of Purpose Prep here. Mm-hmm. Invite her and she will tell you mm-hmm. that it is an, that how we're teaching reading and are we accepting that we're failing kids in a certain approach that we're using at some schools and teaching reading and why is she getting results with the same kids at such a greater rate or invite the literacy folks over from kip Mm. right where 78 percent of their first graders are reading on grade level why 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 can't we achieve that everywhere because they're actually getting less money per student than our metro nashville public schools in the same zip code they're getting less money and getting better results so i would i would just say if you had, charter public school. Yeah, but if you had a football debate. team down, but it shouldn't be a debate, right? Yeah. If you had a football team down the street yeah. and their coach had a weight training regime yeah. and a sprinting regime that was working, right. you wouldn't say, I'm going to say you're, you're just, you're just special because you have special weights. Right. I would go and study that and say, how are you faster and better yeah. with the same number of hours in the day? And how can I get my team trained in that same way? Right. Right. And, and I think that's a, it's a sort of a shift because there's a sense that says, let's just say, let's, let's hold, let's put up a barrier that says it's not possible here. Right. But now we've gotten so many places where we're saying it is possible here, right. same school, same yeah. water that we're drinking, same yeah. air that we're breathing. And I, and I would ask us, I, I think Miami-Dade did that so incredibly. Mm-hmm. Alberto Carvalho, um, he, he's just left. He's now the superintendent in Los Angeles Unified. But he took an urban school system that was an F-rated school system. And, in, and instead of saying charters bad, district good, mm-hmm. he said, let me figure out what they're doing and let me own that these are all our city's kids. Right. And that if we actually train together, work together, learn together, mm-hmm. we can lift it up. And he took that school district from an F-rated to an A-rated. And, and we've got actually a principal here in Metro Nashville who I think is being really studied. And you, you should invite him on, on too. His, they, he runs Warner Arts. His name is Ricky Gibbs. Mm-hmm. So traditional oh, you know, school. Mm-hmm. And, and, and listen to him on, you know, e- even sort of say like, hey, why are we making some of this harder than it needs to be? Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to go back to um, you mentioned like uh, housing and stuff. I want to go back to affordability, mm-hmm. right? And how that kind of plays a part in our growth. But yeah. also affordability and transit kind of like go yeah. hand in hand. Yeah. Um, it'd be great for you to unpack like what that looks like to you if elected mayor 
of are you for dedicated funding for transit? How do we put a mandate over this housing crisis that we need 30 to 40, 50,000 affordable housing? Mm -hmm. And what, what does that even mean today? Mm -hmm. $900 a month affordable? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So first I would say on the affordability question, uh, we, uh, we have hurt ourselves mm -hmm. over the last 20 years by driving the city into debt. We actually have more debt in Davidson County than the entire state of Tennessee. Oh, good. We are the most taxed residents. So here's what happens with affordability. When we've raised taxes, uh, we, you've got, um, you know, it, I, I talked to a, a property owner that had 15 units in, in Germantown. Our older housing stock is actually the most likely to be affordable, okay. right? It's not built under newer standards. It's been, been around, mortgage is a little bit more paid off, right? But when we come in and we raise, when we double the taxes, and I've got 14 units and my tax bill just went up $12,000, what happens? Everybody's rent goes up, right? And so like this fiction that affordability is so, you know, solved by spending more is also missing the side about affordability of taxing less, right? How many people do you know who have said about their smaller business, yeah, I used to be on the line of Rutherford County and Davidson County and my triple net lease, which includes the commercial taxes, got so high, I've gone across the county and we'll start to see strip malls that are abandoned, right. right? We see strip malls abandoned, we see crime, <clears throat> we see the value of that property will decline, right? right? And then we'll be in a, in, in a cycle that we've seen a lot of other big cities can go through. So I would say first on affordability, it, it is stepping back and saying, what are we doing as a city by making ourselves the most taxed city in the state, which is what we are, right. most taxed residents right here. So the, the other piece on housing stock, the solution is not, there are aspects of a solution, and you've said this, that you know maybe 300 or 400, 4,000 units might be, be able to solve through some of the different affordable housing programs <coughs> that the current mayor and current council are, are proposing. But the other is, uh, is frankly kind of Econ 101, right? supply and demand. If we don't build more housing and more diverse housing and more dense housing along our larger transit corridors, the price of housing is going to keep going up, right? So take um, Charlotte Pike where I grew up, right? You can see now from when you go from the capital out, you know, out west, out Charlotte Pike, you, you can see apartment buildings coming up and coming online. We we need to continue that rate of growth. And, and I know it makes people go like, uh-oh, she's saying like grow more. But actually, if if the supply is constrained, the price is gonna keep going up, right? right? So we've got, we've got to build more. We've got to use some of the tools that we have typically used in economic development um, to spur, um, you know, to spur businesses to relocate here or jobs to stay here, we probably got to think about those to say, how can we, how can we think of some of those um, to help spur affordable housing? But it, but it's mostly speed. And then the other issue on speed is also our permitting and our permitting backlog. If we're right now at about five billion dollars of um, of uh, permits being pulled, meaning a real estate that's being built, it's taking three six months longer. And every day that takes longer is 
a bigger cost, right? Because right? I'm borrowing that money. I'm not getting any rent. It's going to be baked into when I finally open that building. Right. Um, so we also have got to, I think, attack the bottlenecks that we've created ourselves in city government. Well, how does that for you tie into, you talk about density a little bit. Yeah. How does it tie into the transit, right? Yeah. And being able to to access places, go move around, possibly not have to have a car expense, um, but also just be able to like like not have these jam ups, this traffic, mm -hmm. and be able to move freely, um, more freely and more efficiently through the city, and also just through it, it would affect Middle Tennessee, I would think as a mm -hmm. whole. Um, so the question comes up like, hey, referendum failed in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, many people believe we still need that dedicated funding. Yep. We do, um, yeah. And so one of the, one of the many people is like, is, are you for dedicated funding for yeah. transit? Yeah, but you have, you cannot, <clears throat> look, the mayor who tried to pass that, she never went to meet with the mayor of Williamson County. Mm -hmm. You cannot pass, I mean, he's a great mayor. He's been the mayor for probably two decades, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot, Nashville cannot take a go it alone approach. Okay. Nashville cannot believe that Nashville is so much better than everyone else that we don't need their help. Okay. We are one in 10 Tennesseans. Mm -hmm. We're not nine in 10. Right. That means we don't have the votes alone right. to get something done. The reason transit failed the first time, and it's fascinating because people say, oh, we don't know where those 40,000 voters came from. 40,000 people who don't typically come out to vote in municipal elections mm -hmm. came out and transit was defeated because they looked at it and said, hey, this idea of transit is one county, but I work in Williamson County, or my I drop my kid off for, you know, in somewhere in Rutherford County, right. or my hairdresser is in Sumner County. Like, the idea that, it, that, that we're some kind of an island right. is completely false. I know everybody goes, oh, we're a blue island or a red state. We get to just do our own thing. That's not true, right? right? right. You failed. We, you we, know that's not true. No, but, yeah. our, but our citizens of Davidson County let us know that wasn't true. Right. Transit failed in 2018 because we believed that we could just go it alone, right? right? So the, the chamber, one of their groups is called Moving Forward, the 2023 scorecard, which is, which is your question about transit. Uh, their number one priority is, maybe, maybe they should say this for themselves, but I, I think I've got this right, not that she. Um, advocating for and secure dedicated funding for transit in the region, 23 to 27. That's in the next mayoral term. Right. Um, I have asked to have sort of a Gantt chart to say like, if you wanted to get it done on this day, what would it take, Correct. right? Um, and, and, and actually, I'm, I'm pretty confident, I mean, without dedicated transit funding, and you hear this a lot, a lot of these federal dollars were, are not accessible to us. Right. So there's 25 regions, the top 25 regions in the state and the country, we're the only one that doesn't have it. So part of you in your mind goes, all right, well, we're missing out, right? That means, I think the numbers are that it, we would have 16 cents a local money and we could leverage 84 cents of federal money. So the way that I look at that is, who do we need to work with regionally, other county mayors? Who do we need to sort of plan together with? This is a single media market, right? People who watch the news and hear about a transit vote, the, the greater national media market, let's, let's have a sense of like a voting season that a transit solution is at about the same time, instead of saying like, 
because if we do this, it's just the Nashville, the the Rutherford County folks will go, well, we, you know, the Rutherford County mayor and his citizens are also stuck in traffic on 24. Right. It's not just Davidson yeah. County, right? Yeah. yeah, so I so I think it's an absolutely a, you cannot take a go it alone approach because when we do and when we did, we failed. So how has it changed with you being mayor? Like, yeah. What, is it, what does that look like? Yeah, well, so I, I, I pretty confident um i mean I, from my work with governor haslam and economic development when we look at this idea of like oh who's got economic development experience right regionally um and at the state level regionally our region has done really well davidson county for median income earners here has failed because every gain has been erased and how much we raised taxes right um so how would i work with a region i'm the the way um I actually don't know another way but to approach this regionally, right? I've never come from a, my head is only Davidson County. I've always thought of it as the state and as the region and what our, our, our place is. Okay. No, that's awesome. Um, I, I want to um, kind of pivot into like something just like a little more personal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you have this, you have this elaborate background city. Uh, state government working, you know, this world traveling mm-hmm. uh, experience as a teacher as well. Um, why, why run for mayor now? Mm-hmm. Why, why now? And what makes you better qualified than your opponents? Mm-hmm. A pack that force. Yeah. Well, this is where you talk your talk. This is sure. <laughs> well, um, so, uh, um, so why now? Um, I think anyone who, I'm a native of Nashville. I obviously chose to come back. My husband was in the RV for about 20 years. Um, so nine of those years, that of his 20 years of service, I was married to him. And so we were stationed in Brussels, Belgium. We were stationed in uh, Washington, DC. We were stationed in Colorado Springs. He deployed with the Iron First to Iraq. He deployed uh, with the first Cav. Um, so he back, was having the cold. Uh, bleacher on Christmas Day at 3 a.m. when he came back from a 15-month deployment. And, you know, then you get that moment where the Army, you're done, and they say, where do you want to go back to? It's called an ETS, not a PCS. Um, and uh, we ets here to Nashville. This is my, this is my home. Um, and uh, and I guess the first time I got to be in charge and not the Army, we got back. <laughs> so that was, that was 10 or 11 years ago, 2011. So 12 years ago, I guess. Time is flying. Um, but why now? So stepping back and watching both the city's extreme financial distress, $8 billion of debt. This city, my great-grandfather um, worked for the railroad and helped create Radnor Lake. The, the, the tallest place in the city of Nashville is named for him, Ganyer Ridge okay, uh, wow. at Radnor Lake. Can okay. Part of it is also because he founded the Tennessee Ornithological Society. You can go down here on Fourth and Union. There's a plaque, yeah. um, and so he's with the birds. He's at the tallest place in, yeah. in the city with the birds, and and I think about moments where you can be called to serve, and this to me is a calling. That there are people in our city who feel n- not heard around issues like. just just basic everyday issues like I don't have a sidewalk why are we talking about building some new thing downtown when I don't have a sidewalk I don't have um, 
a place that my kid can go to school and I can be guaranteed that they're going to read without winning the lottery or driving across town. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have, a, I, I, you know, I don't have a sense that as a victim of crime that, that, that I'm being heard. Right. I, I feel like somebody else is being heard. And so I, so I think that there was this place to say, how do we start to reset the compact with our residents here to say this can be their home. We can create, we don't have to follow the march towards becoming a big city that becomes a shell of itself. And so I, that, that to me, um, this sort of sense of we're, we're missing that voice um, and, and actually believe that there are enough people in Nashville that don't want to be in, um, they, they, they don't want to follow this slow march towards turning into Portland or turning into San Francisco. They want, they want us to be in Asheville. Right. How do you, um, no, before I ask you that question, yeah. what makes you better qualified? You know, this is really yes. Well, I would say two, two things. My combination of state and federal experience, they have a very clear sense of what the job of mayor is and what it isn't, okay. right? And then the second piece is my entrepreneurial experience, right? And building and growing rapidly, rapidly scaling companies, right? Okay. Taking multiple companies from, you know, 55 employees to 140 employees, $8 million in revenues in 20 countries to, you know, 30 million in 50 countries, right? right? And, and and that's sort of a like let's get it done and get it done now that has always driven me. I, I I think that combination is 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 pretty distinct. What what is that? I'm glad you said that so people can can have a clear understanding on what that means to you. Um, what is the job? On the deal with mayor. Yeah, yeah. So the job of mayor is first public safety. Yeah. And second, it is, and most importantly, is creating a balanced and sound budget. The budget is a reflection of our priorities. Um, right now, I think it's actually a little bit insulting that our council's kind of current approach is to wander around and ask people about participatory budgeting of like, what do we think of 10 or $20 million of the city budget? Nobody ever asked us if we should be spending $411 million a year on debt service. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever asked us if we should become the most taxed residents in the state. Or Nobody ever asked us if we should have more debt in Davidson County than the whole state put together. Or okay. did, did they ever ask you that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, in a way, it's a little bit like, oh, let's give you this shiny object over here to distract you. Mm. So we can make you feel like you had a say in what we're doing. But at the same time, we're over here and we are over a period of 20 years with a hand in the cookie jar crowd who wants desperately to stay in charge. Right. Making some decisions that, that have, that have re really driven us to right now. You, you know, you talk about things like mental health. We're spending 40 times the amount of money that we're spending on all of our social services. We're spending on servicing our debt. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So speaking of the council, yeah, we're still at forty right now. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts, feelings, especially as a potential mayor going forward of having a twenty-person council versus a forty-person council? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think I've said, and this is a continually evolving situation, right? But I think I've said that, I mean, the most conservative position is for locals to decide how they should be governed, right? Yeah. So 
we had an opportunity seven or eight years ago to vote on making the council smaller. I voted for it to be smaller just from like a fiscal sanity and operational perspective. It lost. I'm a believer. If you lose, you lose. Ugh. The difference though is that if we believe that's a good idea, let's bring it back to the voters, right? So think about how many times the first time we've taken something to the voters, it's failed. Line in grocery stores. A lot of your listeners may not know if they're new to Nashville. That that took like 12 years to get that through. All the like locals and the state and the everything. I mean, you could not buy wine in grocery store six years ago. And people who are new are like, nah, that's not true. <laughs> and so... Even a popular former mayor, uh, Mayor Bredesen, it took him twice to win to be governor. People forget that, right? right? Just because it didn't pass the first time doesn't mean it was not a good idea. Mm -hmm. But but because it failed um, doesn't mean we need to go and, you know, swoop in and create some other other way to do it so right now i mean where you sit today but it could be different by the time you do this my my sense is is that between now and august uh the august election will hold with 40 and then what happens between 2023 and 2027 um you know i I think um who knows yeah 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 you want to read some tea leaves i don't know yeah but i also as an entrepreneur what i do is I, i i think about like you could wake up if you're in the business of real estate you could wake up and be like well today the interest rate is you know six points higher than it was two years ago and so i'm just not going to try to sell a house you could do that or you could wake up and say you know what i'm gonna have to work with the clients that i have and find a probably a smaller house to be able to fit the budget that we're in right and so i think that same approach as mayor i think a lot of people that are current legislators or current state senators they sort of wake up every day and think like okay what's the state law what's the national law i just want to wake up and be angry all day about that and instead of saying like what can i actually get done today based on the environment that we're operating in and i think that's how entrepreneurs think we think it's like what can i do today not what i can make what can i use to make an excuse to do nothing right uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask for your definition of this word. Yeah. Uh, because I think it's a word that, that many of us are using. It's kind of a buzzword. Yes. But yeah. I think I've come to understand that it may mean something different to different people than yeah. what we're talking yeah. about. And that word is ethnic. Yeah. You know, we live in a city where, you know, many people believe it's two different cities. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the it city, but it may not be for me and it may be for you, vice versa, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, some believe it's a place where the the, the wealthy to come and play and do their thing mm-hmm. and some believe is it's for others who, who struggle mm-hmm. can't get that affordable housing uh, don't have the mobility to get around uh, mm-hmm. or can't make that quality of life or living wage um so what is that word we mean to you um in in what context just the, does any, what, does any, yeah. does any context yeah, yeah so i think, think of it equity, what is that, what is that yeah from? so what comes i guess the first image that comes to mind for me is i think it'll probably a lot of people have seen it, this cartoon of three kids wanting to watch a bit ba- i think it's a baseball game yeah. right and and scat and as a former teacher i think it's the, the term is scaffolding right scaffolding the steps that they need so that they can actually see over and see the game. Right. So does that mean that everyone is standing on exactly the same height? Does equal right. mean that everybody's standing on a one foot box? No, 
equal means we've built a box so that everyone can see over, right? So in the context perhaps of reading, right? There we would say um, a the, the, the goal, the seeing over the line is being able to read. Right. And so the supports that we may need to give to each of those students mm-hmm. are not the same. Some student may need two hours of tutoring a week, and some students may need no additional tutoring a week, but to get them to the goal of being able to see or to be able to read, that is where we're, that's to me where equity is coming in. I know for people who are listening who can't see it, but but yeah, they, yeah, do, you've yeah. seen this cartoon. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. 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 yeah, I think that was a good depiction, visualization of people yeah. see. If not, you can Google it. I want to throw this back at you too. This when I think about equity as well. I always think about what does that mean systemically? Uh-huh. How do we create equity on a systemic level? We know in this country, just not the state, that there is systemic racism, this systemic discrimination. Things are just rooted in this systemic issues. It's not an individual, it's a person, but it's a system a lot of times that we try to fight, combat, address. Um, how do you combat systemic problems that affect people, albeit different levels, but affect everyone essentially on different levels? How do you combat, address, or how do you tackle those issues, whether it's in education, whether it's in uh, housing, whether it's in homelessness, whether it's in transit? Um, we know a mayor can't make laws. A statue, some create some policy or put policy out there, or just your voice in general was a lot of time, especially in Nashville when we're a mayor-led city. Mm-hmm. So, what talk to us about that and your mm-hmm. thoughts on combating systemic mm-hmm. issues and things that have been historically just rooted in systemic racism, discrimination, uh, just issues and neglect the system mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Well, I think what leaders do is at every turn you speak up because systems, I mean, businesses do not have ethics. People have have ethics. People work in business or government, right? So I, I, I can think about when I joined the board of WPL and NPR here in town, um, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Oh, yes, yeah, so it was after the Trump, I think it was after Trump's election. So I chose 2016. Am I right? Nothing like that. Anyways, it was a while ago. I'm no longer on the board, but I was served two terms. So I was on there for six years. Um, and, you know, and I frequently received this phone call in town. We want this to be bipartisan. And I'll say, oh, so you're calling me because I'm a Republican. Yeah, you know, I'll say, you know, there are more Republicans in town. But when I joined the board, it's a 20, I think it's something like a 22 member board by bar- bylaws, right? Mm-hmm. Of a, of a radio station that one would say, oh, they're a liberal bastion of, you know, they, they're thoughtful and they know what they're doing. Do you know how many black people were on the board? Only zero. So here, the Republican girl who's asked to be there to be the Republican, I said, who else are we missing? You know, like, thank you for asking me to be at this table, but who else are we missing? And so then I, you know, then I said, why did we not call a hundred black men in middle Tennessee? What's that? How do we choose the board? Will we ask board members to invite other board people? Now, this is the former, former leader. We have a whole new leader, a whole new board. It is a totally different day, but actually takes sitting at the table and raising your hand and then starting to call people. And the, the first two in that period of time where there was zero people, zero black or brown people on the board was Alice raising her hand and saying, 
I'll start calling people. I'll right. start interviewing people. Right. And then I'll nominate people, right? Yeah. And I know people look at you like, well, how come she's doing that? How come the girl over here, and this I confronted this also in business school when I worked on this Gay Find By Me project. They were like, you're a heterosexual white woman married to an army doctor working for a Republican senator. How come you're the person saying it's fine to be gay? I was like, because I can't. I have like every privilege. So the same thing like with Fort Negley, exactly the, the same thing. And I've writ written about this as well. The state law that protected historical assets of my uh, ancestors mm -hmm. on the Confederate side, and then it, like a lot of people's family trees, got people on both sides, was being used to protect certain statues in Memphis, but it wasn't being used to protect those same land here in Nashville, right? And so it's the same kind of a thing to say, I see that, I see that wrong application, yeah. and I'm gonna get 5,000 people to sign a petition to, to yeah. stop this nonsense, right? Yeah. So I would say that like, when we talk about ideas of change, you have to start with where am I sitting today and have I demonstrated that bravery right. to raise your hand and be brand new on a board and go like, hey, I don't think this is okay, right. you know? Like, should we? Wh what could we do about it? I'll do something about it. When you, um, I'm glad you brought this up and yeah. my, my, my yeah. points, being yourself identified with puppy. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're in Nashville. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, on the surface and in between the cracks, many yeah. people will say, hey, this is a very aggressive liberal Democrats. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, how does that maybe affect how voters look at you um you know some people may just look at republicans in a box and yeah. say all republicans are this way yeah i'm democrats in that way what message would you say to those voters yeah. yeah. to unpack that because yeah. i know that republicans doesn't mean that you're a particular way all the time on every single yeah. issue from the loudest republicans yeah. In, our, in our nation or in our state, same thing will come to Democrats or Independents or people in between. So yeah. I want to give you the opportunity to unpack that for those who may just say, oh, Alice is a Republican, therefore mm -hmm. I can't, she can't yeah. leave Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would actually say right now, um, uh, you know, we have elected for decades right. the same kind of people mm -hmm. with the same qualifications mm -hmm. and we found ourselves as the most taxed city in the state with the most debt more debt than the entire state of tennessee so if we want to keep getting the same result we can keep doing the same thing mm -hmm. or maybe we want to give somebody else a try right. i would say on the on the the party and the partisan issues it is i think people on both sides would say this uh there are so many people in public life today that believe their job is to make a speech mm -hmm. and get some number of likes and clicks and not to actually get a result. Um, Senator Alexander, his last term in office, he called and asked me to help him with his reelection. And he said the reason he wanted to run for a third term was to reauthorize No Child Left Behind. It was a law that people could see was broken and had flaws in it. And he believed that he could pull together both the legislation and the support to get it done. So in 2015, he did. That law passed 8512. A Republican senator from Tennessee authored it, and it was signed by President Obama. That is only the third time in the history of the United States that we've rewritten federal education law. So 8512, right? That 
is I sort of think, what's the idea? And same with getting around with regional mayors. How do we get enough people with us right. so that we can actually get it done? If we keep going to the legislature with ideas that only are going to get nine votes, right. we're not going to get anywhere, right? So it, it, Senator Alexander's opioid legislation passed 99-1. Opioid uh, epidemic crosses all socioeconomic groups, all racial uh, groups, all uh, political parties. And, so why did it take a Republican to get 99 votes? 99 votes. Right? That's crazy. Four years ago, President uh, Trump at the time signed that into law. So I don't think that there is necessarily, I think people should look at the person. Okay. And I think that they should say, does that person understand what the job is? Are they clear headed that they know I'm not going to have at City Hall a pro-life rally, not going to have a pro-choice rally. We're going to have a pro taking out the trash rally pro-first-graders reading rally, pro-filling-the-potholes rally. Like, it's very clear to me what the job is mm -hmm. and that engaging in these national political fights or getting, trying to outdo, like, oh, we want to do a bigger thing than what San Francisco is doing. That's actually not useful for Nashville, right? You have to say, how does our state work? How do I get that job done? And, you know, and I, and I, think, I think I, you know, have already have people and you can go to my website or republicans and independents and democrats kind of saying like yeah right now we need a different kind of person to help us get through this right now no, thank you for like just articulating that because again like even myself i like talking to people from all different perspectives yeah and some people have agendas some people just want a person from this side and so if just want a person from that side yeah i want everybody from all sides because i, I don't think people are that simple i think it's more complex to that mm -hmm. and you only know when you talk to someone like yeah. oh oh i get it now or oh okay yeah. you don't feel the same type of democratic or republican way about this particular issue and so i'm glad that you was able to yeah be transparent about that but also give listeners and watchers and voters yeah. potential voters the opportunity to, to hear that directly yeah. from you and share well and also i think in some ways they can hold me completely accountable right because you actually don't realize it but frequently like think about this vote on the rnc right which precipitated a lot of challenges. Right. So people would say, oh, she's going to want to have one that says like, anti-DNC. Absolutely not. Right. right? Is she going to show up and meet whoever the president is or her transportation secretary from right. whatever party? Absolutely. Right? Like this um, this sort of idea, you know, I think viewers, um, my undergrad, I was at Stanford uh, University, and when I was there, they switched from a, it was called the techies and the fuzzies, you know, which side you're on. <laughs> like either the engineering people or the non-engineering people. Right. And a faculty member from the techies became the president of the university while I was there. And everyone on the fuzzy side was deeply suspicious. He was going to cut funding for, you know, history and all these other things. But because he was so closely watched, I think right. he actually did more, right? So I would, I would tell listeners to look at like the mayor of Oklahoma City, yeah. right? That is the sort of model that I would put myself into. Like, put it completely aside and stay focused on the job. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and I want to go kind of go back to the to something that's happening currently with the Titan State, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, we know, like, the Titans are going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is going to look like for Nashville yeah. and the residents and 
the quality of life is it going to improve mm-hmm. stadium I don't, i'm not yeah. sure uh but what are your thoughts i know yeah. we got a vote coming up tomorrow yeah. today is it t- is today tuesday i think the 25th yeah. is the april 25th i think yeah, i've been the- talking about it I, I can yeah but I what, a, yeah i think april 25th is the final vote because in my understanding it has to be voted up or down before april 27th which is when the state of metro is and okay. that at that point in time if it is not in okay. the budget they can't they can't consider any new capital projects um um so i'm okay. very okay. conflicted about the titans okay. um, stadium situation right. i have um What's conflicting about it? What's conflicting about it? Yeah, I um, and actually talked like talked to did my my team too because I came out um, March seventh or eighth at this first mayoral forum that I went to, and I was in the camp of like I'm for it because we're getting a hundred acres back in the urban core. And when else can you do that? But then as I unraveled it further and i think what you're seeing there's 30 amendments on it for on april 27th because i think as people start to unravel it more you become more conflicted about it right why can we why are we going for another new stadium and i know that the the sort of like all the financial engineering everybody's like oh no it doesn't really count at the end of the day it is more debt at the end of the day you only have so many dollars in your wallet. Yeah. And let's say there's seven Titans games a year, mm-hmm. home games, maybe. I don't I think that's about right. Something like, Something like that. And there's 60,000 seats, maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe 20,000 of them are filled with Davidson County residents, but probably not. It's probably less than that. You know, So we're talking about tying up uh, like billion dollars for that group. And we're not talking about our sidewalks, right? And we had 49 pedestrian deaths last year, 400 pedestrian injuries. Yeah. I, I see hearts, the lady that raised me, she lives in Bellevue and she no longer can drive. And I worry about her walking on her street because there's no sidewalk, yeah. right? And I don't think, and, and that's the sort of place where I think, um, can't, yeah. It, is that actually the only way to get those hundred acres back for the city? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I so I am uh, I would say uh, to be continued in the unpacking, um, and that actually, if it uh, if it doesn't pass, um, and I, I would say my next sort of long form press interview is May fourth with the Tennessean, okay. and that um, that will have a very clear position at that point because we'll know did it go through or did it not. Yeah, um, I'm not trying to skirt it, but I'm just trying to say, yeah, like, I no, think like, seeing yeah, 30, no, uh, yeah. 30 amendments on it, yeah. this, you know. Um, we, we, you talked about budget the kind of middle, middle way through, and I, I always try to tell people as much as I can, it's kind of that this one of the, maybe one, maybe some say maybe one, some may say two, like top priorities of the mayor, right? Mm-hmm. It's a year-old thing, mm-hmm. the low-old process, we all see at the end, like, oh, okay, Education is getting this, church place is getting this, uh, public safety is getting this, and you know, everybody's like, oh, we should give up one a year or give more. And that's always a trouble, right? Um, can you give us uh, a background of your budget experience mm-hmm. uh, and how you would take on the budget to be transparent and also work with community, right? I don't know. Um, and making sure 
uh, as potential mayor, you have a clear understanding of what resources need to be allocated there here. When, the reason I think it's important because it's a huge <laughs> job mm -hmm. for the mayor, but I, I don't think many people are really educated or aware mm -hmm. of how crucial it is uh, in the process and just, you know, knowing if the next person, uh, whom baby mayor, understands it is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think one of your questions was general experience. Um, I, I mean, the, a budget is, I guess you could start, I have an MBA from Darden at the University of Virginia. I graduated in the top 10% of my class. Um, you know, so do I have this sort of like academic ability and understanding about how to build and execute against a budget? Yes. Um, I would say in, uh, in terms of government budgeting, uh, I had um, seven different program directors reported to me when I was an assistant commissioner in economic development from everything as diverse as, you know, this really boondoggle program that was uh, passed by the previous administration that we inherited and had to manage um, a state-sponsored venture capital program to like the National Flood Insurance Program, which, you know, underwrites like, I think, 30,000 homeowners in the state of Tennessee, right? So like, Federal and state budget um, experience, individual company, um, you know, had private equity investors at different companies. Um, What's the biggest budget, I guess you, because I think I'm budget, what, almost three billion or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so what is your, I guess, experience with that as far as dollar amount? Dollar amount, um, in my portfolios, we probably were right at seven hundred million dollars. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, so I think big, at the end of the day, money, millions of dollars. Yeah, okay. yeah, and, and I think at the end of the day, well, and we were obviously part of, um, you know, the state budget process at the time. The state budget was, I think, thirty-seven billion dollars. Um, it's now like fifty-two billion. Okay. You know, I, I I don't mean this the wrong way, but I think I'm I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure that there's a sense of like oh. It, it, in some ways, someone who walks in and is managing a, um, you know, a, a, a budget of a certain size may not actually have the same level of understanding, probably like as a small business owner, right? right. Like you have to actually know how everything fits together. Right. But if you were sort of a cog in a giant machine, you might just know your one little piece, right? right? Exactly. And so I, I actually, I think, um, I think sort of being like comparing, I don't know, well, comparing people's budgets, I'm not really sure. And the, and the, and the reason, I, like I always, I ask about the budget, especially with the Christian, because like that's that's a really important, yeah. like, like if not the most important, especially job with the mayor, because of the, yeah. like understanding what one's mind is thinking about, about how yeah. they approach the budget, uh, but also, uh, I see the mayor's office as like a corridor to kind to like, or how are you connecting resources, right? Yeah. Community, right? And that's kind of how we, kind of how like, I want to kind of end this like yeah. kind of conversation about preservation and balance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with economic growth. Excuse me. In economic growth, we have a growing city. Mm -hmm. You know, businesses are coming, people are coming, still are eighty. People are dancing over here, but you have people like myself, like yourself, or native, been being born and raised here, and still want to live here, still want to keep that soul of Nashville. But we understand growth is here. Um, as a potential mayor, how do you kind of find that yin and yang between 
preservation and making sure Nashville stays Nashville, but also it's a place where it can still effectively and grow in a sustainable place and a healthy place uh, where people can still have a great high quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think the chamber, uh, I said some information, I could be wrong, but I actually think we're forecasted to lose population over the next five years. Okay. Not not a huge number, but I think our out-migration uh, will exceed our in-migration by about 4,000 residents. Okay. So that might, that might re- rethink um, only, and and they are moving to our neighboring counties yeah. because of the taxes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so so, but the question of, but your question of um, of how could you maintain parts of Nashville? So here's one of the things that's probably hardest for a lot of us: all of these businesses that are closing shop. Yeah. Taxes. Yeah. 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 Taxes. They're leaving. And, uh, you, you know, and then I would say probably, too, they're looking at an asset that has appreciated a lot if they own the real estate underneath it. If they don't own the real estate underneath it, they're probably leaving because of being priced out in the market. If they own the real estate underneath it, they're probably getting... What money did they ever see? Yeah, yeah, and they're going to take it, right? Like, that that's it. I mean, people are economically motivated, right? When we talk about all of these issues, and I know I'm, like, back to, like, the... We need more housing to bring the price down. <laughs> we need less taxes to bring the prices down. Well, the thing, but you know, it's like, how are we going to afford it? How are we going to pay for that? Like, I think that's like a lot of times the biggest question. Well, I think, yeah, like yeah. Like, yeah, we got all these great ideas. Yeah, yeah. How are we going to afford it? Yeah, and so I would say like a lot, the death of a lot of small or growing businesses is trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I would and I would posit that our, and we, we saw this when we came in in, uh, in Governor Haslam's term. We, we actually, the department that I did the top to bottom review for, we, we cut about 40% of the positions. And we'd go like, oh my God, we cut these positions, right? Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was a function that was actually being done in the private sector. Most of those people ended up going into the private sector as a planning function that was sort of questionable why state government should even be in this business. And it was, anyways, it was all, a whole series of issues. And then the people that were there, we were actually able to pay them more and attract better people and get for successive uh, years in a row, unprecedented state of the year in economic development awards. And so I actually know it may sound counterintuitive, but I think that there's a little bit of a figure out what we need to be doing or stop doing the things we don't need to be doing. It's very clear that there are plenty of employment opportunities, right? And, and it's very clear too, that if we've got 200 vacancies in our police force and we're losing people, we're gonna need to raise the pay there, right? right. So, so I think um, in the teaching side, right? Our administrators, number of administrators have grown following national trends too at this explosive rate, but our number of teachers haven't, right? And so our teachers that are still there are like, hey, my class size is still 35 people and I'm out of here because of like the pay and the work conditions, right? And we just layered on all these administrators. Um, Two thirds of our budget for our schools doesn't go to something that's happening in the classrooms. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's going so so I think it's taking a kind of like let's start with zero base budgeting, mm-hmm. which says who are the kids, who are the students, what do we actually need? Right. And then decide if the other things need to happen. Right. Right? 
who are the police officers that we need? What's public safety? You, you know, versus sort of taking the approach of, well, we've always done it this way. Right. We can't change it. And so I know some people will hear that as like, oh, she's in there. She's going to like cut the whole thing in half. And the world's going to come to an end, right? Mm -hmm. But I would posit, like, look at FedEx. And so for your listeners that are not Tennessee natives like we are, we know that FedEx is in Memphis. Uh, and we know that that the Memphis airport is the second busiest air cargo hub in the world after only Hong Kong. What did FedEx do to the world? We have the U.S. Postal Service. We love our postal carriers. We love our po postal service. We love, I love sending Christmas cards in the mail. But the Postal Service for generations told us we couldn't track our mail. It wasn't possible. It took FedEx coming in and being like, you know, you can't. It is actually possible. We got to think differently. We got to do this differently. Postal service is still there. Right. And now we can track our mail. Right. So I guess I would just sort of say maybe um, it, it, it's, you know, sort of attacking the problem a little bit differently. Right. Um, and actually, I think, um, yeah, anyways. Um, as we close, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, one, kind of, Reiterate your vision, you know, mm -hmm. for for Dashville, um, and what that looks like yeah. under uh, your under your administration, yep. if elected. Um, and then where can people go to support you, mm -hmm. uh, your campaign or follow up? Yeah. Uh, and unpack some of these things that they may hear. Um, us talk about with people. Oh, direct. Yeah, I'm the one to be. Yeah. Well, um, first part of that is you, alicerolly.com and alice at alicerolly.com. Email, it's there. And there's also, you know, Twitter and Facebook, you know, Facebook, yeah, and all the things. But just go there, alicerolly.com. <laughs> you can donate. That would be great. Uh, campaigns are expensive. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I So the Nashville is the Nashville that we just like my great-grandfather left in Nashville that I wanted to come back to. I want my great-grandkids and yours to want to come back here or want to live here or want to stay here and be able to find a job okay. that can pay the bills, okay. right? To be able to go, to be able to have... How far back now shall we talking? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I couldn't swim in Centennial Pool. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> But I get your that point. That's fair. Yeah. 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 That's a fair but, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we have to choose Nashville 1998. <laughs> Something like that. That yeah. was the first year that we were not under a federal desegregation or court order. Okay. Is that yeah, fair? That, that's fair. That okay. Works. That works. That's pretty recent, though. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad that it's that recent, right? Well, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. For a whole yep. other day. Yeah. But, uh... I'll put it to you like this. If me and you was in the elevator, right? Yeah. I didn't know you. You didn't know me. Well, maybe I didn't know you. Maybe I didn't use running from there. And I said, hey, I'm just, you know, why should I vote for you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we got 30 seconds on the elevator. Yeah. Maybe a little longer, depending on what floor I'm going to. What would you tell us? Yeah. That we can be a city that can buck every national trend that says big cities must be filled with crime. Big cities must be filled with the shells of companies that used to be there that left, and that big cities need to believe that all kids cannot have a great school. Mm. So I want to buck that trend for Nashville. When we move from being 
a medium city to a big city because that's happening right and actually be able to deliver on a, a vision that says we can be different because we have been different right this is the city that delivered women everywhere the right to vote it shouldn't be the city that women believe they cannot walk to their car safely right that this is the city that the volunteer spirit is alive right. this is a city so this red blue war we can be a city that can say hey actually we can work together because most of our funding for our most vulnerable residents is state or federal funding right. so being in a constant state of war with our state and then our federal all three of our federal congressmen mm -hmm. are republicans both of our united states senators are republicans so what if we sort of approached it as solving the problem instead of having a fight um and so that's that's the city that i believe that we could be be solution based yep well, Alice, I appreciate your time. I enjoyed this conversation. And I know the people listening and watching this are going to enjoy this a lot better than your two minutes here. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But no, thank you. Uh, good luck on the campaign. Um, you know, it's almost here. Early will even be here in July before we know it. I know. So it'll be August and, you know. Yeah. There we go. So yeah. There we go. Okay. Um, thank you for your commitment to yeah. this, this social change. Um, and wanted to make your home, my own, uh, mm -hmm. a better home for, for everybody that's currently the DSR. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Talk Thanks, Jerome. All right. Mm -hmm.